February 26th. And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today will be from the book of Mark, chapter 8, verses 11 through 38. We'll read about defective understanding. The disciples did not perceive what he meant by the leaven. The blindness of the Pharisees does not surprise us. But why were his followers so blind? Like Israel of old, the disciples saw his acts, but did not understand his ways. Ask God to give you spiritual insight. We'll read about defective devotion. One minute Peter is inspired from heaven, and the next minute his tongue is ignited from hell. Peter saw only shame in the cross, but Jesus saw glory. Peter saw defeat, but Jesus saw great victory. Never be afraid or ashamed to be his disciple and bear your cross, for Jesus bore it first. And now, let's read our scripture today here in the New Testament. February 26th, Mark chapter 8, verses 11 through 38. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came to argue with him. Testing him to see if he was from God, they demanded, Give us a miraculous sign from heaven to prove yourself. When he heard this, he sighed deeply and said, Why do you people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I assure you, I will not give this generation any such sign. So he got back into the boat and left them, and he crossed to the other side of the lake. But the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring any food, so there was only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. As they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. They decided he was saying this because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he said, Why are you so worried about having no food? Won't you ever learn or understand? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? What about the five thousand men I fed with five loaves of bread? How many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterward? Twelve, they said. And when I fed the four thousand with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand even yet? he asked them. When they arrived at Bethsaida, some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to touch and heal the man. Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. Then, spitting on the man's eyes, he laid his hands on him and asked, Can you see anything now? The man looked around. Yes, he said. I see people, but I can't see them very clearly. They look like trees walking around. Then Jesus placed his hands over the man's eyes again. As the man stared intently, his sight was completely restored, and he could see everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't go back into the village on your way home. Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, 
Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say, You are one of the other prophets. Then Jesus asked, Who do you say I am? Peter replied, You are the Messiah. But Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then Jesus began to tell them that he, the Son of Man, would suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the leaders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, and three days later he would rise again. As he talked about this openly with his disciples, Peter took him aside and told him he shouldn't say things like that. Jesus turned and looked at his disciples and then said to Peter very sternly, Get away from me, Satan. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then he called his disciples and the crowds to come over and listen. If any of you wants to be my follower, he told them, you must put aside your selfish ambition, shoulder your cross, and follow me. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul in the process? Is anything worth more than your soul? If a person is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, I, the Son of Man, will be ashamed of that person when I return in the glory of my Father with the holy angels. My name is Zach Welch, and I'm from Chillicothe, Ohio. came to the refuge January 21st as a last attempt to get my life back. I've struggled my whole life with problems stemming from mental, physical, and sexual abuse that include trust issues with men and ultimately leading to addiction. As a child, I wanted to be the protector of my family, being the oldest of four kids to a single mother. So I took the abuse from the men my mother had in and out of her life and never talked about any of it, filing all the abuse back in my personal filing cabinets in my head, and as I got older, I began masking with alcohol and drugs to hide the pain and resentments I built up over the years. Before coming to the refuge, I had pushed away all my loved ones and burned every bridge I had built. My addiction led me down a path of isolation and self-destruction, sure to lead to jails, institution, or even death. Coming to the refuge is exactly what God had in mind for me. And since being here, I've started to be able to accept love again and began working on my character flaws with the help of God, my awesome coordinators, and my brothers in Christ. I've started trusting in the process, and in doing so, my trust for men has begun to come back, and the ability to accept the unfailing love the good Lord has for me, but also the love the Refuge Brothers have given me and all the other brothers, no matter what they struggle with. I'm ready to lay it all down at the foot of the cross before God and let Him take control and lead me down the righteous path He has planned for me. The refuge really has opened not only my heart, but also my eyes, showing me that through God all things are possible, if only you're willing, honest, and open. Psalm 46, 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. With that being said, I look forward to all the great things the Lord has in store for me, everything from being back in my daughter's life as a healthy, responsible father to rebuilding relationships with loved ones I tore apart through addiction. The Lord knows my will in life, and I look forward to walking His righteous path to find my will in life. I look forward to His shining light in my life and also the lifelong brothers I've already gained through this ministry and hoping for many more to come through the refuge. I want to thank all my brothers in Christ for the love 
I also want to tell all y'all, I, I love y'all, and let's become the greatest army this world has ever seen through the greatest general, our Lord Jesus Christ. What do you do when your mind is there, but your heart isn't? Like, what do you do when you know what sin is, you know what's right, you know what's wrong, you know what you need to be doing versus what you don't need to be doing, and your mind knows, but your heart isn't there yet. So you don't feel remorse over your sin, even though you know something is sin. Are you with me on this? What do you do when there's a gap between your head and your heart? Throughout the scriptures, there's this phrase, wait on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord isn't pleasant at all. In fact, in one of the most gut-wrenching Psalms in the Bible, Psalm 42, David is literally in a fight with himself. He screams, why are you so downcast, my soul? Put your hope in God. So his mind knows, don't make a God of that. Put your hope in God. Put your trust in God. Bow down before God. Serve God. Walk with God. Why are you downcast? Oh, my soul, why aren't you buying into this? So how do you wait on the Lord if this is you? You position yourself under the waterfall of grace and you wait while you walk in obedience. So one step at a time, one day at a time, asking for God to break your heart, asking for God to restore the joy of your salvation to you, asking God to make him your treasure, asking God, being honest about where you are, whether that be the desert or the low part or struggle, and you wait. Why? Because they who wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and no longer be weary. They will walk and not grow faint. Psalm 42, verses 1 through 11. We'll see that the refrain, Why are you cast down, O my soul? ties these two psalms together. Why was the writer so depressed? Over one thing, God seemed far from him in his hour of need. He felt like a thirsty deer in the desert, searching for water. But the truth is, the Lord is never far away. He is near even when you don't recognize him. The writer's depression was aggravated because he looked back at the so-called good old days. We can have very uh, selective and even faulty memories when it comes to what we perceive as the good old days. Be careful with that. He longed to return to Jerusalem and minister in the temple. The writer of the Psalmer. Sometimes retirement or a change of residence will make people depressed. The older we get, the less we enjoy change. Psalm 42, verses 1 through 11. For the choir director, a psalm of the descendants of Korah, 
as the deer pants for streams of water. So I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and stand before Him? Day and night. I have only tears for food. While my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking, as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshippers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks. It was the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember your kindness. From Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar, I hear the tumult of the raging seas, as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. Through each day, the Lord pours His unfailing love upon me, and through each night, I sing His songs, praying to God, who gives me life. O oh God, my rock, I cry, why have you forsaken me? Why must I wander in darkness, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts pierce me like a fatal wound. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17. People who accept correction are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore it will lead others astray.